0: Today on Locked on White Sox, I will talk to you about minor league minicamp. There is still some baseball happening in our White Sox world, even though we are going through a lockout and a very important piece to the White Sox rotation, bullpen, minor league rotation, Garrett Crochet. We'll talk about him and what to expect in 2022 from the young left-hander here on Locked on Sox. You are locked on White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Socks. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. We're free and available on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find us there at Locked On Sox or by searching Locked On White Sox. I'm Sean Anderson, and I'm the host of Locked On Socks. I'm a lifelong baseball fan. I'm a lifelong-ish Sox fan, lifelong Southsider. I'm a former radio producer in Chicago, and now I am currently the host of the Locked On White Sox podcast. How about that? This is why you're hearing me. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Today is Wednesday, February 23rd. It is not a What Up Wednesday, but we will have Mark in the park giving us a little bit of a Phoenix, Arizona area insight a little bit later on into the show. But if you do want to participate, you do want to send me uh, a note, a little phone call, 312-566-8727, or you can write in at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Now, today's an important day. We got to talk about some few things. First off, we're going to talk about spring training, slash minor league minicap, slash baseball still locked out, and this is no fun. And I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, like I want you to have fun on this podcast. This podcast will be fun, but... Who loves a lockout, right? I don't think the owners like a lockout. They're not making any money. The players aren't making any money. The MLB isn't making money. I know a lot of people are canceling their MLB TV subscriptions. And the people that are in Florida and in Arizona, the businesses that are built up around all these spring training parks and the people that work at those parks aren't making money. So no one's having fun. There we go. <laughs> But today's important because it is minor league mini camp, which means there's some there's a start of baseball activities at least. There are 60 White Sox affiliated players at the Glendale camp. So, you know, it's kind of baseball. Tony's there. Tony LaRusso's there. Miguel Cairo's there. Shelly Duncan's there. Ethan Katz is there. What else? Maybe Joe West. Well, he's retired. So, Angel Hernandez. We get all of the coaches and Angel Hernandez. We put 18 guys on a field and, you know, play ball. That's all you need, right? At will it knew. because I was under the assumption that minor leaguers could play in those spring training games, but the major league has postponed spring training at least to March 5th, something that the players said that the MLB didn't have to do. Oh, and also you didn't have to impose this lockout, but we are still here in this lockout. Some good news down in Florida. The MLB and MLBPA have been meeting. They've been meeting since Monday. They had a meeting on Monday. They had a meeting on Tuesday. They'll meet again on Wednesday. Now, let's get you caught up on what happened. Evan Drellich of The Athletic tweeted out and saying that they were done bargaining for the day, which would have been about 4.16 Eastern time. And they started uh, around 1.20ish. So you know, about a an hour plus meeting. So some decent news, but there's some not great news. MLB wants a third party mediation. The players do not. They want to talk to the league directly. And the MLB believes that the players took a step backwards today, which honestly, I'm not too, you know, disheartened by because they're still going to meet tomorrow. And everything that I've been hearing is if there's no proposal on a CBT, we're not close and there was no proposal for a CBT today. So... I mean, they're still bickering. They're still going over the small minutiae details. And this is before they get to anything actually monumental and something that actually will get closer and closer to ending the lockout. So are we closer to ending the lockout? Yes. But like, I think we inched an inch. We got a, we got a little closer. Like, I mean, a little closer, like an inch closer. So what does that mean? I, and I I'll tell you that if they don't have spring training games this year, if if spring training games get delayed or they don't start until March 5th, what happens? What's going to be going on? And honestly, how is that going to affect major league players, minor league players, and the communities around there? And to answer that question, I want to go out to my guy, Mark in the Park, who called in, giving me some Arizona vacation recommendations, which I appreciate and asked for. So thank you, Mark in the Park, for giving me those. But I wanted to clip this specific part about what Mark said, because it kind of goes into my thoughts on spring training and the minor league minicamp that's going on.
1: Sean, Mark in Litchfield Park. I don't know if you want to use this for the show or not, but you asked so as far as things to do here, it's a cultural wasteland um, You've got the Frank Lloyd Wright School, which is cool um and uh, that's about it, <laughs> and the food is awful, it's all chains for the most part. There's some places, you know, that you can throw in there. There's a good Mexican place, but there's tons of great Mexican places in Chicago. So, And I tried to get out of here, and due to the current housing situation, people have lost their minds and want me to write them a letter uh, telling them why I should be the one to get to buy their house. And my letter said, because I'm giving you money. But um, I don't know. Just a little more insight into who I am, and it's <laughs> just kind of a curmudgeon. So I'm not up for going to see minor leaguers at Camelback Ranch. Uh, it's too damn hot. So you know, we'll see what happens. Thanks, Sean.
0: Thank you, Mark in the Park, for calling in. I don't think you're a curmudgeon. I love hearing from you. I, I think that you're great. And also, I think you could just leave them a voicemail over a letter. You you leave me a voicemail over a letter. You don't you don't choose to write in. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe you just got to get the phone number, call in. Hey, this is Mark from Litchfield Park. I have a lot of money. I'd like to buy your house. That's the Jamar Chase method. Jamar Chase was drafted by the Bengals, and he went to Joe Burrow's block and knocked on every single door and said, "Hi, I'm Jamar Chase. I have a lot of money. I'd like to buy your house." And someone finally sold it to him. So, you know, just have the confidence of Jamar Chase and hopefully you have that first-round wide receiver money too, Mark. But you'll be fine. Don't worry. You're not a curmudgeon. We love you here on Locked on Sox. Please call in, Mark. Thank you for the description of the cultural wasteland that I wanted to talk about, because there's this article in the New York Times, and it's from, I want to make sure I'm crediting this person correctly, James Wagner, and the photographs in the article were taken by uh, Zach Whitman, who took some great p- pictures. There's one picture of a couple standing outside the gates of Philly's minicamp, and you know it's exactly the same thing as the White Sox minicamp, instead of in Florida, it's in Arizona, instead of 60 Phillies, it's 60 uh, minor league White Sox players. And you could see these two people, and, and they're two two older people, and Frank Kitzinger is his name, and his wife Nancy, they watch the minor leagues work, and Frank said, it's still baseball, and you know, Mark, it is still baseball, but you're right, sitting in 95 degree heat to go watch baseball is something that I would have difficulty doing too. So I, I don't blame you for not wanting to go watch any type of baseball in 95 degree weather. Because the thing is, is like I'm freezing cold in Chicago right here. We're getting freezing cold rain. So like when it's nice, it's 50, 45 degrees out, whatever. We're getting a ton of rain so you can't go outside. And then when it's not 45 degrees and raining, you know, it's 20 and snowing. So maybe I would be able to watch 95 degree baseball right now. But for somebody who lives in Arizona, I get it, Mark. But the idea that you propose of this cultural wasteland like Honestly, yes. And there's not much around there. The only thing that's around there is this spring training camps and that's for Florida and that's for Arizona. And that's why all of these communities are affected by this. And this is the third straight lockout that towns and those peoples and economies will be affected. In 2018, I think this was from the Arizona State University, they conducted a study with the Cactus League, and they had an economic impact of about $644 million for the 2018 spring season. So that's what the Cactus League did to that area of the Cactus League, uh, $644 million. And then in 2020, when the spring season was cut short because COVID ended up breaking down, out, and then they cut shut down all of the spring sites, The $644 million was nearly $300 million less. So these places and and all these small businesses and all these restaurants that Mark doesn't even like, you know, they're not staying afloat because this is what these towns were built off of. And you had a shortened season in 2020. You didn't have full stadiums in 2021. And now you have another shortened spring season because of a lockout. Like baseball just doesn't understand what's going on. They just don't get it, and I. I, This is what I feel all the time: is that they don't get it, and it's frustrating. And for Mark, who finally gets to see something in in this cultural wasteland, who you know, an Arizona native, wants to go see baseball, he, he he gets frustrated too. He doesn't want to go see minor leaguers in 95 degree weather, and I don't blame him. This is such a tough time for baseball fans. Whenever I talk to you about Built Bars, I always have to tell you about how delicious their flavors are. They are all delicious. They have all these great flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. They have a new one this month, white chocolate and cookies and cream, and they have new flavors coming out all the time. And I just went to their website, Built.com, and I saw that Toffee Almond is back for a limited time. They have delicious flavors, and all of the delicious flavors are good for you. You can go to their website, which I just did. That's how I know Toffee Almond is back, and on built.com, you can see the macros chart. You can see that these built bars are low in calorie and high in protein, they're high in fiber and low in carbs. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. But again, the reason why people keep coming back to built is because of the flavors, they have new flavors coming out all the time, and every new flavor. They pull off. They're all delicious. Go to built.com, use promo code lock15 and get 15% off your order. Again, Toffee Almond is back and you can go get it for 15% off. Use promo code lock15 for 15% off at built.com. So I want to talk to you about Chris Getz, the assistant general manager for the White Sox. He's down at Camelback Ranch and he spoke to the media today. So we got some Chris Goetz thoughts on the 60 players that are at White Sox minicamp at the moment. So again, baseball isn't over, but you know, it is frustrating to be a baseball fan. But like Frank said, it is still baseball. And some people, even if you're, you know, if you are stuck in this Chicago weather, maybe that's all you want to think about is 95 degree warm weather beating down on your white, pale skin, burning the hell out of you. Maybe I'm just thinking about myself, but some stuff I can update you on. Some important players we can update you on because there are some important players, even though the White Sox have uh, one of the lowest rank minor league farm systems currently uh, by most major outlets. The White Sox still have some bright spots. So let's talk about one of those bright spots. 2022 first rounder. This was tweeted out by Scott Merkin. I have not been able to listen to the audio yet from Chris Getz, but on Colson Montgomery, he said, the more I'm around Colson, the more impressed I am with his presence, with his confidence. That's off the field, but certainly how he carries himself on the field. He's always under control. There is no panic, which is nice to hear from a guy who played as long as Chris Getz did in the major leagues. But it's also nice to hear because I think I Kind of, he's very reminiscent of a Seeger. He's very reminiscent of Corey Seeger in my mind. I really think that if there is a player comp and, you know, use player comp as loosely as you possibly can, but it seems like Corey Seeger goes out and plays so loosely. And Colson Montgomery, it seems like, again, that's what Chris Getz is saying, is there's no panic in him and as a as a shortstop as one of those guys up the middle and we don't know if he'll ever be a shortstop because of Tim obviously but having that presence as a young talented kid can only help him out which is exciting so you know hopefully we'll be able to see Colson Montgomery this spring Chris Getz also said the 2022 workloads for Norhey Vera and Jared Kelly, the Sox top two pitching prospects, we'll say starting pitching prospects, too, because they are more important than that. Just that. I mean, you go to future Sox right now, those two guys are top five prospects in their mind. And he said the workload goals for those two, Vera and Kelly, should be similar to the level that Matthew Thompson and Andrew Dahlquist got last year. Dahlquist and Thompson were at about 70 to 85 innings pitched, where Jared Kelly and Norhey Vera were around 20 innings pitched last year. That was tweeted out by James Fegan so thank you James for that and then some one of the big notable absence so far in the minor league minicamp is Oscar Colos and this is from Scott Merkin gets on Oscar Colos's arrival Oscar is on his way hopefully he'll be here shortly he'll be here in the next week he's currently down in the Dominican Academy so you know it, it, the Cuban stuff is tricky so we'll see when he arrives but if he arrives at the end of the week I don't think there is a story there with Colos. Now, this was from Daryl Vance Gowan in the Chicago Sun-Times, and I think is the best quote uh, from Chris Getz, and this is about the importance of having minor league depth, especially with a team that is contending, and Getz said, The ultimate goal here is to supplement our major league club. We are very fortunate to have players step up last year, whether it be Gavin Sheets, Jake Berger, Romy Gonzalez... Obviously, Andrew Vaughn with perhaps a little bit higher profile, even Sebi Zavala and Zach Collins, Ryan Burr, your mean Mercedes. Not all of those guys were high profile in the sense of top of these rankings, but they certainly were able to contribute on our major league club with injuries that we had with the adversity that we were faced with. And that's the ultimate goal when you're managing the minor league system is to be able to provide players for your major league club when the team arises and, you know. Chris Getz isn't wrong. They have a horrible minor league, you know, farm ranking system, but that's because of the prospects in there, but not because of the quality of work that, you know, AAA, AA, single A, all the lower levels too. And and even the work that they're doing at the minicamp right now, you know, that's why you're doing the work is to improve those players and put them in a spot to grow themselves and, and understand who they are as players. And hey, I mean, the White Sox didn't lose because of their minor leaguers in the postseason. And it, it is true that even though your mean Mercedes came out and we thought he was going to be much better than he was, the fact that he was just so naturally ready to attack and hit and produce the way that he did, you know, the fact that they got as much as they did from him is a true, you know, that's the pat on the back White Sox minor league system. You know, pat on the back Chris gets because. A guy like that was not seen as major league ready by any other organization. And the White Sox at least put him in the right situation where he was ready and able to do that on opening day or, you know, at least the opening series. And another name he mentioned in there was Ryan Burr and Ryan Burr consistently talked throughout the season. You could tell how hungry he was. And thankfully, the White Sox gave that guy opportunity, opportunity, let him grow, let him grow. And we did see that Ryan Burr at times was highly effective, you know, maybe another season, Maybe another mini camp, whatever it may be. Maybe Ryan Burr is more of a solidified arm in the White Sox bullpen, and that could be because of the organization. And again, obviously, Ryan believes in himself, and Ryan himself is a talented person, so it's not all on the organization. But, I mean, we, we've seen the White Sox clubs before, and sometimes they call up guys and They're either completely not ready or they weren't ready. It just seems now that Chris Getz and his addition to the White Sox front office has been a much needed boost to the team. So I I like Chris Getz and I I did like that quote from him and just wanted to share it with you. So, you know, all these guys, all these 60 players, yes, you might not know them now, but you never know uh, when you might start knowing them, right? Rami Gonzalez gets called up to be a second baseman and then, hey, look, he's out in right field. Hey, look, he's pitching, you know, so... You know, you never know when you're going to meet these guys. I mean, you never know when the White Sox, I don't know, suffer an injury. Let's say, you know, knock on wood. Aaron Bummer has an injury, whatever. And you, you meet Bennett Souza, the, the the best left-handed reliever in the White Sox farm system. And hopefully Chris gets and all the staff down there in AAA can help him get to the point where he can be ready to step in whatever spots Coach Tony wants to put him in. And speaking about, you know, putting guys in spots here and Coach Tony putting guys in spots... This might not be Coach Tony's call this year, but we got to talk about Garrett Crochet. And I mentioned him last episode on the expectations for the White Sox rotation in 2022. And I know some people didn't love Crochet in 2021. And I know one of the slanderous things I saw on Twitter was from my guy, GD, or White Sox starting pitcher, resurgent bandwagon on Twitter. And he posted a map of all of Garrett Crochet's 100 plus pitches, 100 plus mile per hour pitches in 2021. And there are zero of them. There are none of them. And you look at his six innings in 2022 when he threw 45 pitches over 100 miles per hour. So when the guy doesn't come out throwing 102 and not wowing you like that, and also, he's dealing with some injuries, right? You get scared in game three in Oakland when he gets pulled off the mound in, I think, the second or third inning after Dane Denning starts, right? Like, you, you start worrying about that, and then he's not able to hit 100. You know, maybe you're concerned about injuries, but, you know, fairly for 2021, for a guy that didn't pitch as much as he did, pitching big major league innings, the fact that he played 54 games is, is not bad. He had a couple minor injuries, but for the large part, playing 54 games with a sub. Three ERA in your first full, you know, fifty-plus innings in the major league, and having a WHIP just under one point three—that's that's good. That's good work right there. I mean, Garrett Crochet was extremely effective, and like any pitcher, like he's gonna have some some struggle points. Twenty-two years old, and yes, he has some issues with control. 4.5 4.5 walk per 9 and one thing too is he throws a lot of balls and then he tries to get it into the zone and you know guys hit it and he, he had a 7 hit per 9 and and you know it seemed like he was almost untouchable in 2020 and I think that's what people were expecting so when he's giving up hits he's walking batters like that people came off of him a little bit the shine came off of him a little bit but you need to be patient with Garrett Crochet you need to give him time because that potential is still there. I need to let you know about the new official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network and of Locked On White Sox. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. It's a big night in the pros on Thursday. The All-Star break is over. You finally get some professional basketball back in action. You could sit down in front of the TV, put on that channel with Shaq and uh, Charles Barkley on it, and you can watch some basketball and place bets on the number one spot for all your sport betting needs. They have the latest odds, totals, and player performance props. BetOnline.net. It's the best spot for all your scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to Olympic coverage and information. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device. Again, it's BetOnline.net to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. Lockdown MLB Prospects host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So, Garrett Crochet, why, why you shouldn't give up on him? Why you shouldn't be already mad that the White Sox, at 11th overall, possibly drafted a reliever? Possibly. Again, possibly. We'll talk about whether Garrett Crochet can be a starter or a reliever and what he will be to this team in 2022. I want to go back to draft day when Garrett Crochet was drafted 11th overall. Back on June 11th, 2020, I want to take you to SoxMachine.com to the great Jim Margulis. And he started off his wrap-up on Garrett Crochet. And he said, at least this is the title of the article, that Garrett Crochet was the perfect pandemic pick if you want to find the article. But in the article, Jim quotes Mike Shirley, the scouting director for the White Sox, after Crochet was drafted and Shirley says, if he pitches the ninth inning, how's that for a good floor? The fastball is the top of the charts. The slider is wipeout at times. It's a pitch that's going to continue to develop for him. The shape is proper. The changeup is a pitch we're excited about and how he's going to be able to execute against right handers. There have been some questions about it, but we think that pitch is coming. As that process unfolds, it's a three pitch weaponry. The delivery has some deception to it and exciting to see what he's going to attack hitters with and in there, the White Sox scouting director Mike Shirley talks about the floor. How about a good floor of being the ninth inning? And Mike, to answer that question, about you know, basically two years later, I don't think it's enough for Sox fans. I think that when you draft a pitcher and say we're gonna have him be a starter, and obviously the pandemic affected this, no minor league season affected that in 2020, it was tough to put Garrett Crochet in a spot. And when your team's contending and you have a possible arm that is throwing 100 plus like he did in those six innings in 2020, you know, it makes sense why you want to call up for him. But I think what White Sox fans are most wondering about with Garrett Crochet is what's the plan? What's his future? Where is he going to go? Is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be a reliever? And I think at this point, him being 23 years old, now is the time where you need to start building him up because... I can't imagine. First off, you gotta do it before his minor league options run out. But just imagine like twenty-five year old Garrett Crochet, who has been up here for four years in the bullpen, you know, the the idea that he gets sent down to the minor leagues to start ramping up to be a starter. I just don't think anyone can do that over an off season. And that's why people are kind of concerned about Michael Kopeck becoming a starter because the injuries were there. And if he has too much of a workload, I mean, is this going to hurt one of our most valuable assets? But let's look at the difference between Crochet and Kopech here is Garrett Crochet is such a baby when it comes to baseball experience. Like he is so inexperienced. He's so youthful. He's so young. He's so raw. I mean, you look at Kopech in his minor league days. He's pitched over 100 innings before. In 2017 and 2018, he's pitched 134 innings, 126 innings. And we go to the future Sox write-up of, of Garrett Crochet before the draft, and this is you know, the write-up on him. During his freshman and sophomore year, Crochet spent time as both a starter and reliever for the volunteers. As a freshman, he made 17 appearances, six which were starts, and had a record of five and six with an ERA of 551, accompanied with a 1.48 whip in 63 innings pitched. So that's, I mean, right there, his freshman year, 63 innings pitched, is not even 10 more than what he just did in 2021. He has not increased this workload enough to become a starter. I think anytime soon as a sophomore, his improvement was, was clear. He he had 18 appearances, six starts. He, his uh, ERA went down from five, five, one to four Oh two in 65 innings. So again, 11 more innings than what he pitched in 2021. And that's, you know, only six starts there and you see him, And like, I I mentioned how young he is, but it, it even seems like he's a, a newborn deer on his feet. Like it just seems like the, the length and the, the delivery are so, tough to figure out and I know Mike Rankin feels like he really did start making changes near the end of the season to help tighten things up help make sure that everything was more repeatable that everything was coming off the hand the right way but again he's doing this in a major league setting his first 60 innings if you look at his past 180 innings there as a freshman in 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 Tennessee a sophomore at Tennessee and then the past two years in the major leagues There's no minor league experience, and all of his adjustments have been on the fly in the middle of the season. 2020, he is thrown into Schaumburg, of all places, to try to make those preps, to get ready for the major league. And then he gets thrown into September baseball and a team that's trying to secure a playoff position. And again, we just have to talk about the talent. Like, I mean, he's extremely talented. You look at the White Sox bullpen last year. He was the second most valuable arm, according to War, last year. And you can put clarifications that, like, Kopech was more valuable because he started. But you look at the total amount of innings as a reliever. Michael Kopech, 55 and a third. Aaron Bummer, 56 and a third. Garrett Crochet, 54 and a third. Crochet has the highest war. I mean, like, this guy has it. I really do think he has it but now looking back on Jim's headline of when Garrett Crochet was drafted that he was the perfect pandemic pick and Jim sums it up by saying I suppose that Crochet is a fitting pick for what's hopefully the only season so dramatically altered by a pandemic more than most players in the first round imagining Crochet's future requires all the games we wish he had been able to play as well as the minor league season that isn't able to happen right so i mean we we are imagining What if he was able to get some more starts in? What work could he have been doing this offseason to get prepared to be a starter? Or maybe he's making those strides to build up and build up, and then they start him in double A and he already has a head start. It just feels like if Garrett Crochet wasn't working his ass off by himself during this lockout, that, you know, it's another delayed season. That 2020 delayed his ability to jump to being a starter, that 2021 the White Sox pushed to the postseason, delayed his jump to being a starter, and that 2022 delayed his jump to being a starter. Well, isn't the window open till like 2029? Isn't that the, what the White Sox want us to believe? 2027, whatever it is, whenever the, the Luis Robert extension is over, that's how long the window is open accordingly. Will Garrett Crochet ever be ready? I'm really getting concerned that he won't be that maybe he will be a great reliever for the White Sox. And you need great lefty relievers. And maybe at some point he can give you two to three innings consistently out of the pen. But as a starter, as a number three starter, which the White Sox scouting director Mike Shirley referred to him as when they drafted him, again, potential number three starter. Again, potential with a floor of a good bullpen arm. Like it seems like we are getting closer and closer to that floor the closer and closer we get away from the day that Garrett Crochet was drafted as a White Sox. Thanks for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. Our next episode is going to be Friday. We're going to have some Friday fun. We need it after some lockout talk. Maybe there will be some good lockout news by Friday. But hopefully, I got a good, fun guest for you on Friday show. Now make your second listen, Lockdown MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major league past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sean Anderson, and thank you for listening to Lockdown Sox. <laughs>